Hello, I'm Neil Wilkins from Viper Marketing, and I'm here with The App Guy. The App Guy podcast, straight from your host, Paul, The App Guy, sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. And now, Paul, The App Guy. Welcome to another episode of the App Guide podcast. I am your host. It's Paul Kemp. Uh, I'm thrilled. We've got uh, an incredibly uh, important and uh, inspirational guest who's going to take us through his journey. And he's a, a serial entrepreneur. He's got uh, many companies. He's a best-selling author. He's joining us uh, and he's actually phoning in. So uh, we're really thrilled that we can grab his time. His name is uh, Christopher Jones. In fact, uh, it's very easy to, go to, to find out about Christopher. You just go to uh, chrisjones.com and all the, the notes will be in the uh, the show the show notes on uh, episode 197 just go to the appguy.co uh, search for 197 with chris jones and you'll see all the the various links that we'll be t- talking about and uh, various links to his uh, investment portfolio chris it's a warm welcome to you on the app guy podcast thanks paul it's really a pleasure to be with you well the first thing i mean you've got such a, a huge history to talk about perhaps you could just give us an, a, a brief introduction to uh, you know, your career so far, or your investments, what what you've been getting involved with? Yeah, so um, I got, I was fortunate enough to be uh, an early adopter of the internet, right? You, you hear people who are early adopters of Twitter or Instagram or Facebook. I was, I was there back in the mid and late 90s. Um, and I launched a gourmet food business that, um, you know, that we took online had an e-commerce strategy, and I spent, you know, really the first year or two self-educating, absorbing everything I could about how the internet worked, and in particular, how to generate uh, web traffic, and then how to monetize that web traffic. And I've really built a career over the last 15 plus years, um, you know, based on those, those early experiences of, of learning, you know, tactics and strategies for my own business. And, and as the internet has evolved, my career has evolved. Um, you know, but as I said in my introduction, you know, I founded a company called Pepper Jam, which in the, you know, was a leading digital marketing and technology company. I built that up over about six or seven years, right? And by the way, I mentioned the gourmet food business, but um, the digital marketing business was really an offshoot of that. Um, built that up over five or six years. We became one of the fastest growing companies uh, in the United States, you know, recognized for three straight years by Inc. Magazine. Uh, we helped businesses come online. So those that were offline, right, brick and mortar, we helped them come online and then develop their marketing strategies. And then we also work exclusively with, you know, uh, .com only companies. I sold that company in 2009. So after building it up, uh, to uh, a, a pretty decent size, you know, north of 100 employees, uh, over 1,000 clients. Uh, it was acquired and, um, by eBay Enterprises, which is the division of eBay. And uh, once I did that, Paul, I started an investment fund called KBJ Capital. And I've invested in about 15 companies. Just two or three other quick things about my background so that the listeners that um, – you know, might be international or might not have heard of my career, just get an update. So I've been speaking, doing a lot of public speaking over the last decade. I've been to the UK many times and and, and other parts of the the globe. Also have written a couple of books, um, one of which called SEO Visual Blueprint helps uh, websites get ranked online. But 
So as it relates to my portfolio, there's a couple of investments that are completely relevant to your podcast, right? One of which was mentioned in a previous podcast. It's called French Girls App. Uh, it's as simple as this. You take a selfie, submit it, and then anybody in the world could draw you. And by anybody, uh, we've had over 1.7 million installs since January. Um, and by the way, this company started out and was incubated out of a mobile app development company called Appic, A-P-P-E-K, Mobile Apps, which I invested in about four years ago. Yeah, and Chris, I know that you're uh, driving. I feel like it's really wonderful the way we've connected because you were mentioned in a previous podcast. It was on uh, the chat I had with uh, uh, Glenn Cooper of Happy Jar, and uh, he, he mentioned French girls. So you must have an unfair advantage because you've been through the whole internet stuff and, and now you're seeing, I guess, a, a repeat of that with the boom of uh, apps. How, how much of uh, your experience do you think is repeatable with what we're going through with apps at the moment? I think it's a great question. I, I believe that for whatever the reason, I don't know whether it was an article I read or a conference that I was at where I heard someone that inspired me, but but I became device agnostic as it relates to the to the way that people connect with the web, you know, uh, really uh, at, at the early stages of mobile or, or even maybe before that. Um, and so whenever I make an investment or whenever I, you know, give advice, you know, I always think about uh, the reality that mobile is growing much, much faster than, you know, uh, anything before it, really. I mean, even, even the web and desktop and stuff, it took a while for it to take off. I mean, it was over the period of a decade for it to get the type of penetration that it got. And, and quite, quite honestly, before it even internationalized, um, um, it, you know, I think, I think mobile came into play. And so when you look at the mobile opportunity globally, um, I'm really fascinated by how in different, well, first off, it's, it's, there's mobile penetration really across the globe and, even in, you know, third world and developing countries. Now, they may not have the latest iPhone or, or Android device, um, but they do have, many of them have mobile devices. So um, I find it very, very fascinating that uh, there's this whole new industry created through app stores and through native, uh, you know, internet experiences, referring to sort of native apps, um, that presents so many business opportunities. So for those uh, listeners that are uh, either entrepreneurs or interested in becoming an entrepreneur, you know, there's really never been more of a, uh, an opportunity, you know, to, to get involved, to build an app, to work for a, uh, a mobile startup. Um, a, a, by the way, as it relates to French Girls app, that was built last year as part of a hackathon uh, which was a 72-hour, you know, let's see what we could build in 72 hours and submit to the App Store. We had no commercial intent, um, and it was really just to blow off steam for our mobile app developers. And what happened was a community formed around this app, right? We thought it was corny. It was meant to be a funny app that you could just take your picture and get drawn. And really what, what started coming back was, whoa, so, you know, so beyond our expectations. It's so remarkable what creative people could do with a mobile device or an iPad. So the, the drawings that come back, 
are part extraordinary, in some cases just hilarious, but there's so much creative expression, um, you know, that's going on in the French Girls app. And, um, you know, it's, and, and I think it's one of the reasons that it, it's really taken off. Yeah, well, as um, as a couple of things I want to pick up on there, Chris. One is that you mentioned about mobile penetration around the world, and especially in third world countries. We had a, an interesting chat with someone who's building alternative uh, app stores in uh, parts of Africa and parts of the Middle East, and really opening up, uh, you know, various other opportunities. Because you know, as you said, a lot of the the third world countries don't have access to Android and iPhone, but still want you know apps. And so as app developers, we, we have the ability to put our apps into these alternative uh, app stores and get paid through the telcos uh, of those the companies. And there's still 200 million plus you know, subscribers through these alternative app stores. So quite an interesting development. But in particular about French girls. So you got 1.7 million uh, downloads uh, since January. And it was part of a hackathon. It was built over a short period of time. Uh, did you have like uh, some secret launch strategy with a large marketing budget or is, was that all organic growth? Well, you know, it was a great question. And uh, at first, like within 90 days after the hackathon, uh, the our, our team of developers went back to work, right? They were building apps for hire and we didn't pay much attention to to French girls. It was really, like I said, an experiment, you know, just just to see what would happen. Well, um, about three months after, I was uh, with, I have, a, I have three children, a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a three-year-old, all of which love French girls app. But I was laying in bed with my son, putting him to bed, and we took a selfie, the two of us. And I got a drawing back in about three minutes. And I, I was really, like, intrigued. I thought, well, oh, you know, maybe we have more users than we even know. And when we built the app, we really, I mean, we, ha- we, we, we did put in some basic analytics, but we did not have any, you know, advanced analytics uh, in, the, in, the, uh, in the app. But I asked our developers to dig up some numbers for me. So without doing anything, we had about 38,000 active users in the app, right? So basically monthly active users. And I, I found that very, very intriguing. So... To answer your question, at first, we didn't have any budget, we didn't do anything, and it just sort of took on a life of its own, and people were very, very interested. In fact, we had dozens of app store reviews that we didn't even know existed because we weren't paying attention, and most of them were giving us feedback on features that that they wanted to see. So what I did was um, I went out, and at the end of 2000. Uh, 13. So at the end of last year, I raised about $300,000 um, from, from my, a group of, um, you know, high net worth people, as well as uh, Christina Milian, who is a, a, a big celebrity here in the U.S. She's a singer and actress, as well as an NFL player uh, who I know. And we raised money. And then we, 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 we spent about six weeks really responding to user feedback and we relaunched in january and that's when it just took off and and we've had um you know incredible global uh press and we've been on you know uh, tv and we've been on radio and we've been in newspapers and it's been pretty darn awesome yeah now the app guy podcast <laughs> yeah it's only getting better for you 
No, it's great. <laughs> I listened to a previous interview that you did. I listened to the entire interview, and I thought that your content, it was just outstanding. And, you know, I waited till the, the very end almost when, when we were mentioned by a previous guest. But, no, you have great content. And I think that, you know, much of a French girl's success has been organic. You know, it's been uh, through podcasts and through users just telling friends of friends of friends. So I, I'm more than happy and excited to be on the show here. Oh, Chris, well, we're thrilled that you are. And, you know, almost like in all these episodes, I'm getting close to 200, and you've actually just totally turned everything on its head because, uh, you know, previous guests have had launch strategies, pre-launch strategies. We've had, uh, you know, advice about building up an audience before you launch and all this sort of stuff. And you've just proven that uh, anyone can do it if they have like just a really unique idea and something catchy and it just takes off uh, organically. I guess the, the disadvantage that we have compared to you in your story is that you've had uh, all those years, you know, previously to build up your network. So when it did take off and you had those 38,000 unique users, you could just call upon your network, these um, celebrities and people in in high net worth positions, and then you could get the investment you need to, to take it to the next level. But many of us listening would love, you know, thirty-eight thousand uniques uh, per per month for for our for our apps. You know, um, what, what what do you plan to do with it next? And I mean, you've raised the initial round, and you've you've got this. Um, I, I guess so. You got any other monetization strategies? Yeah. So we've raised an additional um, about five hundred thousand this year, uh, which was uh, one of the interesting investors is a guy by the name of Mike Jones who was the former CEO of uh, a social network, MySpace. And he runs a, uh, an investment fund out of uh, Los Angeles, California, called Science Incorporated. But um, so, you know, so, so at this point, we have some money in the bank. And we also have, um, again, you know, we didn't really set out to commercialize the app. In other words, make money from it. So we did have um, in-app purchases where any of the artists or anybody who wanted to draw a little bit, um, you know, uh, I don't want to say more professionally, but just make it easier for them to draw, we're able to purchase color palettes among, you know, different type of draw drawing tools. Um, you know, we've been thinking more about that. Uh, we also are getting a ton of user feedback about, you know, uh, making available the ability to have, you know, wonderful drawings printed out whether it be on canvas or, you know, in a frame. Um, so, so we're looking at those kind of things. But honestly, you know, we're, what I wanted to mention when I was listening to you set this question up, you know, we used a real lean startup mentality in terms of, you know, uh, there's a, a, an author by the name of Eric Reese who wrote this book called Lean Startup. And it's a whole set of principles on how to put out product um, and get, and really build the future of the product through lots of user feedback. Um, and, and we kind of built French girls using that model by accident because we didn't say, okay, let's, because we never had a commercial intent. But what we've done since is we continue to use that model where we're, we're iterating quickly. We're making updates weekly or biweekly to the app to try to improve it. You know, we're, we're looking very closely at, um, the changes that we make and whether or not they add value, you know, whether or not we're increasing retention, user retention, and, um, 
or, or increasing growth, our growth metrics. Um, so I just wanted to mention that because, you know, you don't have to spend a ton of money, um, you know, as part of the launch. You know, you could put things out there, and once, if you see traction, that's when, you know, you'll be in a much better position to raise money if you need to, and you'll also mitigate some of the risk if you're putting your own capital, if you're bringing your own capital to the table, um, you're, you know, you're, you're reducing the risk, I guess, um, by knowing how your users are responding. And, you know, as a, as a startup coach, I find that that's one of the most common things, Paul, is that, you know, we, we invest, we overly invest at the idea, in the idea, you know, um, and really the thing that differentiates successful businesses from non-successful businesses there's a lot of things, but one of the things is what's called what I call simple execution. So, um, you know, take an idea, put it out there, see if, if you can iterate it until you know until you get to the point where there's there's clearly you know product market fit, uh, there's demand for the product, and that's when you could double and triple down. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, phenomenally uh, good advice for us. And I just think one of the most common questions I get, Chris, from the apps to try people listening to the show is how to raise money for their app. And you've obviously been successful at doing that. Uh, just wondering if you've got any guidance on things that we can do and steps we can take, you know, perhaps for someone that hasn't got the network that you have, what, what uh, types of uh, activities can we do to try and raise money for our apps? Well, Tony Robbins, one of my mentors, says that um, if you want to get a certain outcome, so if you want to be successful, what you do is you, you study what other successful people do. And what I found is that, um, you, know, you know, having a network is invaluable. But, you know, there are other, for instance, last week I was part of um, a, a conference called, it was part of this thing called Ben Franklin Technology Partners. Um, where they had a venture idol contest where people had to pitch their ideas and then there were uh, several judges, one of which was myself, that then judged and provided uh, feedback. The reason I, I brought that up is because you would be so surprised over how many of those startups, their first source of funding was crowdsourced. So whether it be Indiegogo or uh, Kickstarter, and here's the thing, you know, Kickstarter success stories on Kickstarter tend to, to have great products or ideas, but they tend to follow a very, very simple, uh, specific process, you know, leveraging social media, being very, very active once the Kickstarter campaign is posted, you know, calling out favors to maybe some influencers to share that link. My point is, is that, um, you know, you could raise money, you know, sort of grass, take a grassroots approach to it without having a huge network, um, by simply doing what others who didn't have a big network did to raise money on Kickstarter. And last week, I, I couldn't believe to hear some of the stories of, you know, really unheard of entrepreneurs. People didn't know who they were, but they had a good idea. And then, you know, they just worked it. You know, they posted it on Kickstarter and then just started posting it everywhere and you know, reaching out to influencers and asking them to watch the video or, or to share the Kickstarter link. So, um, you know, Paul, that, that's, that's one way of doing it if you don't have a network. 
The other is, you know, um, as I said, you know, using a sort of lean startup, you know, a minimally viable product type of approach where, you know, you could self-fund it and you don't need a ton of money, but you could self-fund it initially, demonstrate traction. And then once you have traction, you know, you'll be in a much better position to, you know, approach someone like myself or someone else who, you know, invests in companies uh, for a living. Yes. And, and how, what, what's some of the uh, techniques you would suggest when approaching someone like you? What do you like to hear uh, from uh, a startup founder who's founded an app company? That's a great question. Um, so, listen, if, if, if someone reaches out to me that I know, uh, that's, that's positive. So, you know, establishing relationships with people that, you know, um, might be able to help you in the future or, you know, so it comes back to, to networking. The other way is if someone makes an introduction that I know. So, you know, Paul, if you reached out to me in two weeks from now and you said, hey, I'd, Chris, here's a company, why don't you take a look? And if, and if you and I had built up a relationship where I knew that you were helping me vet uh, opportunities and that you were going to respect my time, I would almost certainly prioritize you know, that type of request. In addition to that, I think that um, you know, LinkedIn, uh, social networks, um, you know, I think that they're, they're good places, but I, I really do believe that establishing that connection is really critical uh, because without the connection, you're really, you know, you know, only in a position to pitch, you know, and I really believe that, um, you know, investing resources first and building that relationship and creating a connection, if you will, is going to serve you so much better than, um, you know, uh, just randomly approaching investors. Um, so I guess twofold. One, what someone else would say about you, right? So if someone says something about you and I know that person, I'm going to take it serious. And then second, if you've made an effort to get to know me or to, you know, a- ask me questions before you try to sell me anything or pitch me, um, I-, I-, I think I'd be more responsive to that. And I, and I believe that, um, other investors and, um, you know, you know, I, I think that that's just good advice, generally speaking, because I've gotten that advice in the past. So I'm constantly, you know, um, I, I'm constantly taking advantage of opportunities to network and to meet new people and sell them nothing, but just try to add value and to, you know, establish relationships. And, um, you know, who knows, maybe in the future, I'll have a startup that I think would be a great fit for the, you know, uh, for your podcast and, you know, I'll reach out, but I, I promise you I'll do it selectively and, you know, I'll respect your time and, and, and also respect the fact that you have, you know, a lot of people who'd love to get interviewed by you. Well, Chris, I mean, the, the fact is that's just such great advice as well. And, you know, from uh, interviewing uh, startup founders that have had a lot of success, one thing um, that seems to be a, a popular idea is just getting transparent with your success and uh, talking about it and posting uh you know some download numbers and retention numbers and and because then that you build up an authority with uh, your app and and perhaps you get the opportunities coming to you uh for example we had a, a founder who who just uh 
they reached uh, 2 million active users and uh, I think that 1 million within 50 days. Uh, and so just just by like sort of talking about that on podcasts and they came on my my podcast they they raised a lot of money because I guess that got the attention of investors. Do you do you, do you look to any news resources any feeds for trying to figure out and and learn about some of those you know hits that are hitting the app stores yeah well so you know social proof is very very powerful um you know whenever you could get people to say great things about you know your your app that's that's awesome so um some of the listeners may or may not be familiar with a company called um angel list it is a uh, it's an international company, but it's a, a Silicon Valley based um, angel investing network um, that connects and creates the opportunity for connections between accredited investors and entrepreneurs. That whole platform is 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 successful primarily based on this idea of uh, social proof. So, <clears throat> for instance, if someone who's listening has an app, they have some traction, they create an angel list profile. And by the way, the domain I think is angel.co. Um, and they create the angel list profile and then they get, you know, uh, one of the accredited investors to invest. What happens is, is then other investors see that and they see that sort of social proof that, Oh, okay. They, you know, uh, Mark Cuban just invested in your startup, or in my case, you know, a Mike Jones, who was the former CEO of MySpace. That was a big deal, you know, when, when Mike made the commitment to invest in French girls. Um, and so, uh, you know, I guess, I guess my point is that, you know, that uh, the idea of social proof, being transparent, you know, sharing uh, milestones is really, is really critical, especially if, you know, you're trying to raise money uh, uh, or to build your, your, your social network, your professional network digitally. You know, there's there's an ocean separating you and I right now, you know, a big yeah. ocean. So, yeah. but yet, yet I, I knew of you, um, you know, because you covered one of my startups. I listened to your program, uh, really enjoyed it, thought it was great. And um, so I guess the point is, is that you and I are probably two examples of, on, um, you know, really getting behind the product and sharing stories. You know, you mentioned to me um, that you're about to hit a huge milestone. You know, did you say you're, you're almost at 200 podcasts, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And actually so about 40, 40% of those people are probably uh, from Angel List and uh, have a profile on Angel List yeah. and have, have done some successful stuff yeah. in there. Exactly. So there, the point with that is, is that you're almost at 200 um, podcasts just saying that strategically gives you a level of um, credibility and, and sort of authenticity that is just is just you know serves you very well and I think that you know I think that that's kind of what you were getting at and, and yes I mean you know you need to share those milestones and you need to uh, you know be as transparent as possible without being overly um, pitchy or, or you know I always try to warn you know, first-time entrepreneurs or startup entrepreneurs, be careful, you know. Focus on adding value and building relationships before you start pitching and, and selling. Because the Internet, it's very easy to hit a backspace button or it's very easy to turn your volume down um, 
or, or to not respond to an email. So if you spend a little bit more time building that relationship, um, then, you know, and sharing, you know, why I or any other investor for that matter uh, or entrepreneur should listen, then it, it, it'll be, you'll have a lot more success. Wonderful. Now, we've got about uh, three minutes left, but I might have to overrun just a few minutes if that's okay with you, Chris, because because what, what, there's two, there's two uh, segments that uh, the Appster Tribe love to, to hear. One is um, we ask you straight up whether you have any ideas you're, you're willing to share on the, uh, the App Guy podcast. Uh, if you have, great. If I'm assuming you have because you're an entrepreneur. Are you able to talk about an idea that you've got for an app? Ah, so yeah, I mean, I'm, uh, I'm, I always constantly am thinking about, you know, what might, um, sort of disrupt, you know, the, the, the app space. One thing that I find curious is that, um, uh, Craigslist, right. Which is this huge phenomenon, very, very simple, you know, website that allows anybody to post, um, you know, things for sale. I really believe that the uh, that there really isn't equiv- an equivalent of that in mobile, and I think that somebody's going to build it. And when they build it, I believe that um, the opportunity could be worth a billion dollars. Um, so I think one, I think the rule would be that what we learned from Craigslist is that you know Craig Newmark built this site, right? Honestly, it looks like he he coded the whole thing in a in a real simple web template. So I think the equivalent in the app store would need to keep that simplicity. I think that it should focus um, really almost primarily on functionality over design and, um, you know, accomplish what it sets out to accomplish, which is to really simply connect uh, buyers and sellers without having to go through uh, little or, or any um, you know, uh, obstacles. And while doing that may, you know, minimize the monetization opportunities, I think that there would be a huge opportunity in, um, in advertising. So having an ad supported, um, you know, app. So that, that's one thing that I think a lot about, you know, and, um, someone's going to do it. I don't know who's going to do it, but someone's going to do it. Well, someone listening to this, uh, app guy podcast show i I mean uh, what a reward for anyone who's actually followed this show for all the episodes that i've put out you've now just given us a one billion dollar uh idea (laughs) (laughs) so that uh, that that should reward you you know for listening to this show and uh, i mean certainly from somebody who's uh, sold to ebay you know a hundred plus employee company with a thousand clients uh, we've got to take that you know as a serious opportunity so if you are listening to this and you're an app developer please take heed of that uh, because that is going to happen with or without you and uh uh, um, yeah, and the final thing is, uh, we'd love to know what's on your phone. Any one or two apps that uh, perhaps you can mention that maybe we haven't come across before. That's a good question. Um, so let me look here. Um, that you have not come across. Well, well I mean, obviously, the most mentioned app are things like uh, uh, Evernote. Um, but so you know, all the usual stuff. But is, is there anything that you feel? helps you get through the day that you could perhaps refer to us and, and yeah i mean so it's not terribly exciting but it may be to anyone who has one 
Uh, one of the apps that um, that I use fairly religiously is, is uh, my Fitbit app. Uh, for those that aren't familiar with Fitbit, it's um, it is a wristband, and they, and they actually have it in different type of forms, but it counts how many steps that you take during the day. So it's one way of increasing your physical activity just, you know, to create, you know, to burn more calories and, and that kind of thing. So I have the app, and it's also it also sends me push notifications when I hit certain milestones. So, for instance, this morning I actually did a seminar, and I was apparently walking all over the stage, and um, – I got through like 6,000 steps by like 11 a.m. my time, which was like unheard of. Um, but so the Fitbit app uh, is pretty darn awesome. And there's a ton of apps out there that, you know, will track your steps and monitor your physical activity, both when you're awake and when you're sleeping, that, um, that are pretty awesome. Yeah, and I, I love the I, I do love the fact that now with iOS eight we have the uh, health update so that you have the dashboard and all those uh, apps uh, health related apps do actually combine into that one dashboard. You can go and see exactly what your health looks like. Uh, so um, obviously, obviously, all right for you if you've got quite a few thousand steps. But uh, my wife got a bit of a surprise looking at that the other day. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah, that's funny. The second one, real quick, is um, an app called You Bet Me. Um, Y-O-U-B-E-T-M-E. Uh, it's actually a friend of mine. I, I do not, I have not invested in it, um, but I do know some of the folks who did. It's an app that allows you to bet um, friends really on anything. So you could send a friend a, uh, a challenge, which is, you know, I bet you um, that you can't do 200 push-ups consecutively. And then um, you could put a monetary value on it, you know, if, if you'd like. I bet you $20 you can't do it. Then they either win or, or, or don't win the challenge. You could also, of course, do the obvious, which is bet on sports games. So if a friend of yours likes the Dallas Cowboys and you like the New York Giants and they're playing, you could just send them um, uh, a challenge via You Bet Me um, that says, I bet you 50 bucks, you know, that the Cowboys are going to beat the giant so it's, it's a pretty cool app they just recently were on TechCrunch, like literally within the last couple days uh having raised announced that they raised a couple million dollars so that's an app to watch and um you know and i and i think that whole space you know so betting on things beyond just the obvious is real fun because it's, it's, it's the social challenges um that that i've played with in the app are are, are quite unique that you can get your friend or you know, someone in your social network, you know, to challenge them to do something funny uh, or fun um, and then put a monetary amount on it. Uh, so, Well, two great app two. recommendations. Absolutely brilliant. Chris, thank you very much for coming on the App Guy podcast. I mean, it's just a, first of all, doing it whilst actually uh, probably driving, I should think it sounds like, but a wonderful, thank you so much for, you know, just inspiring me and, and the entire audience. And uh, how best uh, can we reach out and connect with um, you? I guess go to your website. No, you know, I mean, I would say I am incredibly active on social media. So on Twitter, my handle is ChrisJones.com, K-R-I-S-J-O-N-E-S-C-O-M. Um, on Facebook, I have a page. It's called KBJ Capital, which is my investment fund. But I'm, I'm really active on that, and I tend to share, um, you know, quite a bit of content that I find interesting. Uh, it's also a good way of uh, getting in touch with me. 
Wonderful. Chris, thank you very much for coming on the show and uh, just being so open with your journey. What an inspiration. And uh, we'd love to have you back anytime. Paul, I really appreciate it. And I really you know, wish you and all your listeners the most success that you could possibly ever have.